0: All right, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. And of course my dog decides to start barking as we start the show. Like perfect timing, he wants to do the intro. Good gosh. Uh, As always folks, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrecht, and joining with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full, and Mr. Adam Deacon all the way from Colorado. What's going on dude? Good evening.
1: How's it going guys?
0: You know, my dog finally started barking, I think he's ready for the episode to start. <laughs> he was excited. Apparently, he's like, holy crap, it's Monday Night Live finally. You guys took forever, taking the week <laughs> off last week. But, yeah, so obviously, there was no episode last week. Uh, we sincere, sincerely apologize, but Andy and I were both busy, had a lot of stuff going on, and these things might happen. As you folks know, I was down in good old balmy, beautiful weather in July, Florida, uh, that was sarcastic for anyone who may not know what July is like in Florida. It was miserable. Um, <laughs> but we were down there for ICAST. Had a fun weekend at Toho. And uh, what did you guys do last week while we were down there cranking away and wheel panhandle? Uh, I'll let Deacon go first. Let's see, man. Oh, here's the
1: big news, I guess. Uh, a guy put a deposit down on my boat. So, oh, dang. Uh, yeah. Yeah, boat is uh, is tentatively sold, but it was a uh, non-refundable deposit. I expect the guy—I know the guy pretty well—to fully pay it. Um, he's just got to sell his boat first. And uh, now I'm kind of in a debate because of that. I'm like, "Huh? Well, my plan was to fish um, the uh, what? I guess it'd be the wild card of the t- Toyota series to maybe run down and fish Havasu." Uh, on the Western side kind of seeing where my points stand to make that Pickwick championship. And I'm kind of thinking, I wonder if I take a little bit off the price of the boat to s- go fish that, or if I scramble and get a boat before then, but I'd rather wait and find a deal on a boat. Um, so, and the boat market's crazy. So I'm kind of, kind of working through that process.
0: That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> but I, that I, yeah. but so do you have an, a new boat in the works. Like, what do you plan on getting? If you already know,
1: yeah, man. So I'm kind of all over the place. Um, really, I'm I'm broke into three categories. Um, I'm going with either a Basscat, a Phoenix, a Blazer, or if I can find a deal on, an, and that those would all be within pretty new boats. Or I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind looking at like an older Ranger and putting like a a new yamaha on it or find one that's done that like i'm looking at one right now it's a 2008 um which those holes i really liked in the 20 foots um and if it had a new motor on it i'd be happy with that and say probably 15 20 grand by doing that so um kind of looking all over the place but those are the three that i've narrowed
0: things down to how is the used boat boat market right now is it like used trucks where it's ridiculous dude absurd Yeah, no. I mean,
1: uh, not a good time to buy a used boat, to be honest with you. It's a great time to sell one. That's why it was uh, cool to do that. So that's why I'm trying to debate if I hold out without having a boat until next uh, spring. And I've got a team partner that's got a boat, the old Skeeter. There you go. He likes yeah. the old
0: big Ducket joining us. Join us again here on Monday Night Live. But, uh- See, it's not a terrible idea,
1: man. You can save some some money doing that. Um, and, uh, I mean, really, the holes on boats, as long as they were made, at a, at a, you know, within the last 10, 15 years, all composite. Don't have to really worry too much about the boat breaking down. It's more about your motor, obviously.
0: Right. Andrew, what were you up to last week? Well,
2: I took the reins over for Bailey there for a week. I don't think I did the most quality of job just because I had – um, a friend passed away from my younger years, so that preoccupied my mind most days. And then um, just kind of gearing up and getting ready here for the end of August. So, yeah, it's some big news coming on there. Can't wait.
0: Yeah. Well, our condolences, buddy.
2: That's yeah,
0: never- absolutely. Never
2: Not very close with them anymore. Um, probably like eight or nine years since I've seen them, but spent a lot of time with them in my younger years at his house on the weekends, going to races with him and his dad, like a lot of really good childhood memories. So that one hurt, hurt a lot. Thanks. Thanks uh, Dick Ducket. there. You're the man.
0: He does have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, dude, I heard a great remedy for, for some sadness is a five pound smallmouth. It is. And I hear you're pretty close to a place that you can get up.
2: <laughs> yeah, except for the fishing right now is just crappy as all could be. So oh, it, I haven't even been out, really. So, like, today there was a tournament on Erie, 22 pounds one second was 21st, and I think third was, like, 17. And then it just plummeted after that. <sighs> not fishing good.
0: Good grief.
2: It'll get better in about a month. Do you think they just, like, get up off the bottom of your room? It seems that we have a huge population of sheephead this year. So a lot of the piles that we would be fishing right now that are normally loaded with bass, there's a lot of sheephead mixed in. So you almost have to weed through sheephead to get a good bass bite, which is just ugh,
0: not fun. Kill them with fire. <laughs> what up, Howl bass? Thanks for checking in, dude. But yeah, dude, drum yeah, nando, thanks. Southern guys like them northern northern guys yeah. so uh, our
2: buddy tyler today caught a drum that was 32 inches
0: wow it's <laughs> a big freaking fish yeah i can't imagine wow. the height on that thing
2: uh, yeah
1: those things are built like bluegills
0: let's see what else. <laughs> yeah.
2: especially the ones in the great lakes they're just
0: insane looking hold on absolutely But yeah, so speaking of Lake Erie, uh, something kind of cool. I don't even know what the countdown is now, but literally, yeah. So in 17 days, I move out towards Andrew here. Andrew and I are going to live 10 minutes from each other. I'm moving to the good old city of Buffalo. Uh, Fiance and I are getting a place. Oh, let's see here. Wait. (laughs) No, thanks. Oh, my God. anybody wants to
2: go catch drum, I can put you on about 50 of them that big a day. Whoa. Let's go. Exactly
0: what Mike said. They're fun to fight if you're not in a bass tournament. Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly
2: right. And those big right. ones when you hook them at 40 foot, don't give up. Yeah.
1: I bet not, and you're normally on six or eight pounds.
0: Yeah. Totally random. <laughs> but that story with Tyler, I uh, said, like, his new PB drum or whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean this like throwing shade at anybody. Like, are you guys the kind of anglers where you like keep the P- keep PBs, but with every species, or like, are you such bass heads like me where I don't give a damn about anything unless it's a bass?
1: No, man. I
0: I don't know. Do you guys have like a master anglers thing at all in your state?
1: Like for like length of uh, um, uh, like length of fish, they have this thing where it's like if you're in a percentage, right? So for like large mouth if it's over 21 inches or you know whatever it may be then you can get a master angler certificate and the Division of wildlife will send it to you so they have that for like every species right and it's like when i was 12 or something i was like oh yeah master angler carp oh yeah master angler this right and that and and, uh i just uh this is terrible i'm totally gonna bash on someone i don't even know but i saw on someone's (laughs) instagram bio the other day like six master angler colorado master angler awards and it's like like really, like Just <laughs> speaking back of that. Like, I don't know it's on their but resume. I'm with you, dude. I have no idea what any of my PBs are except for for bass and maybe a walleye. I probably know what that one is, but
2: yeah, I would Andy, say do like, we
0: have
2: what? what do we have
0: that master angler?
2: Yeah, so New York State does have something like an angler recognition program. It, you can find it in the uh, fishing guide. I know it's over a certain length or pounds. You can email in like a photo of your catch on a scale and they'll send you like a certificate. Like you are a trophy angler, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, the only ones I really keep tabs on would be largemouth, smallmouth, obviously the walleye muskie, and any of the big salmonoids. So we have King coho Lake trout steelhead. Well, Lake run rainbow trout and brown trout here in New York. And they can all exceed, 15 pounds so that's where we keep tabs on those but that's about
0: it nice yeah Yeah, i don't think i i I just can't i mean it's not like i'm trying to disrespect anybody like if you do great there's probably i mean the the competitive bass niche is so minuscule compared to like the overall fishing yeah yeah and it's kind of funny like when you I know we're totally going way off topic and people are probably tuning in expecting to hear Bassmaster stuff already. We're talking about freaking multi-species right now. But like there's people out there that like don't give a damn about bass, but they're like all about catfish. And it's kind of, it's weird to think about, but it's kind of cool to think about.
2: It is cool, man. but I'll I'll tell you one thing. I do plan on buying muskling gear and chasing musky in like October, November, because I want a shot at a 50 incher. And
0: they are all over the place, five minutes from my house. Dude. I think a fifty-inch muskie would be awesome uh, if I didn't have to handle the damn thing. Oh, they're not that bad. Well, do you, I? For some reason, it doesn't even matter if I grab the right gill plate. For some reason, my hands always get always. Cut. You have to get gloves. Doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> but then, like, also when you catch one that big, if you dare post it on Instagram, you do one little thing wrong, you get just like destroyed by murdered. these murdered bite yeah. guys. For not handling it correctly, us. yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's not a shot, at like, like actually, yeah, that's really a shot. that people be whatever. <laughs> all right, it's all right to give some shots. It's all good. We're just being brutally honest here. But so, guys, for people tuning in right now, we're gonna give you a quick outline of what we're gonna gonna we're gonna run through today. Obviously, as you guys are tuning in from the title, we're gonna go through the uh, Bassmaster Elite Series season kind of cover that and then we'll get into iCast some things that kind of stood out to us whether bait wise product wise um try to give some insights because i didn't actually i didn't really get to i'm interested to see your guys's take on iCast from a fan standpoint guys actually being able to tune in and kind of watch the show uh versus me where i was in meetings every 30 minutes so i didn't really get to walk around a whole lot so i'll be curious to see uh what things i might have missed um, and then after that, we'll kind of go and we'll come talk about some some random, various random fish and stuff. But for people tuning in, um, throw out some questions or maybe topics that we might be missing tonight uh, and throw out some questions as well. And we'll, uh, we'll be giving somebody a pack of we haven't done this in a while, but we'll be giving away a pack of outdoorsman coffee. Uh, and obviously, you know, we'll select a, a winner. Maybe we'll make Deacon select the winner tonight and his favorite question or topic that we haven't brought up yet.
2: But the, uh, uh, speaking,
0: like of, speaking of giveaways, uh, we are running a giveaway on our uh, Instagram right now. Uh, that's for a Serious Angler hat and $50 to your favorite uh, online tackle uh, retailer or wherever you guys want to buy your tackle from, we'll buy you a $50 gift card from. Just got to go. Quick, easy instruction. Just head over to Instagram. You guys can enter. So I guess I have two points there. When does it end? And then are we doing one next week? It'll end on Monday, and uh, the giveaways will pick back up. Um, it'll be We'll have uh, Hobie Eyewear to give away in August. So we kind of did like a whole, you know, four giveaways in four weeks in July, um, but then we're going to wrap that up this month. Uh, we can only do so many giveaways for, for, for this month, but obviously in 2022 with our current talks, we hope to uh, bring a lot more of those more often for you guys because it seemed like people really enjoyed that.
2: You know what else I forgot to do? for the July giveaway. So I'll add it in with the Hobie eyewear one is the guide trip with me for free.
0: Oh, damn.
2: Big okay. Job.
0: Yeah. Guide so. trip. You guys can go to the motherland of Lake Erie.
2: <laughs> well, we'll set it up for next spring, summer or fall. I'm going to do one day for free. I'm not going to pay for any expenses. So you guys have to find your way here. Um, if we want to do additional days, we can work that out, but mm-hmm. I will do one day for
0: free. Hey, I got an extra room, so if anyone wants to come stay, we'll, we'll do a whole we'll do a live podcast with them. You know that We'll do that. We'll go out smallie fishing. We'll go grab some beer and wings, and then we'll do a live podcast, although that really sounds like we're knocking off BTL right now, so, so my apologies yeah, you, to paying your listeners man, you know, right now. We're not copying. Yeah, but there,
2: there are some really good wing <laughs> joints, and I'll throw that in as well. I will buy dinner for whoever wins with me and Bailey, and then Coke we bowl. will have the podcast. Yeah.
0: Don't go bowling. We won't go bowling, I promise you. No that. bowling. We will yeah. not go bowling. We are not. <laughs> <laughs> I think you found your winner.
2: I'm okay. sorry. I keep clicking him off. <laughs> the only way he wins now is if he wears the Boy Duckett suit the entire time he fishes that he has
0: in his picture. Oh, that boy. So <laughs> this will be interesting. I can already see the uh, YouTube episode, Dick Duckett Exposed. <laughs>
1: Oh my God. That's
2: why he has to wear the costume. Nobody would know. Yes, Kyle, That Buffalo is where Buffalo Wings originated. Buffalo Wings is a spin off of the chicken wing. We don't eat Buffalo Wings in Buffalo. We eat hot chicken wings. Buffalo sauce was spun off of hot wings. It's not as good. Buffalo sauce it. is not good. I love it. <laughs> Maybe we can work that out or something. But, uh, yeah, make sure you pay attention to that August giveaway because you can win a day. Not let's do that. You can win a day of fishing, a guided trip or fishing day with me and Bailey.
0: Hell yeah. Let's do it. So oh, you guys heard that. We'll we'll actually we'll uh, we'll add that. We'll do a whole nother Instagram post on it tomorrow for those who may have missed. And uh, again, you just gotta go to our Instagram page. It's so a recent post. You guys can go enter to win super easy instructions. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you obviously can win a trip, You win a serious angler hat, get a gift card, fifty dollars gift card to your favorite online tackle retailer, and then a, a guided trip to the motherland of all smallmouth. So, I don't know who wouldn't want to win that one. So, um, let's see what do we got coming down the pipe. Any you guys, anything else that we need to tell the folks before we start diving into this past season?
2: Ooh, some derby videos on the way to the YouTube page. Um, we got a two day tournament this weekend, Bailey. After mm-hmm. you fish o night of Thursday, Friday, so it's gonna be fun.
0: Yeah, we will. We'll dive into. I think we'll dive into that on the recap cause I think people are itching to listen to some Bassmaster recap. But yeah, we got some good plans coming up this week. And unfortunately, my car is keeping me here right now. We're gonna hopefully get that sucker on the road tomorrow. It's mm-hmm. a, yeah. We'll we'll get into that towards the end. But uh, I think first and foremost, uh, we need to dive into the St. Lawrence River. And uh, finally it happened. The legend of all legends wins a bat—not I shouldn't say a finally because it's his second year. But finally Takumi Ito wins a freaking blue trophy. And I don't think it could have happened in cooler fashion. No. That is so cool. I was so mad that I could not watch it.
1: I didn't watch it live either. I watched every day of the event except for the final day live. (laughs) yeah incredible
0: (laughs) his speech that's what i wish i could have been there for because like obviously you can go back and listen to like the youtube skits or like little small little video clips that they have but like actually i would have really loved to just been there because that would have been awesome just the raw motion that saku has and holy crap dude that every tournament and weigh-in his english comes a long way like yeah he had maybe what three words last year yeah. Of English, and now he's like he's putting together like full sentences.
1: <laughs> he is, man. And
0: I'm not—I don't mean that to be like offensive, but like it's crazy it's how fast he's picking up on it. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I'm with you. He
2: yeah. probably listens to like uh, English words for dummies on the road just to get it in. Rose,
0: Rosetta Stone on his way to <laughs> yes. <South Dakota> to learn <laughs> English.
2: Hey, I mean, it works for other people for other languages, so why
0: not? He, and true. he loves his saying of giant bass. So I can just picture him in Google Translate just being like, giant bass.
2: Love it. That guy.
0: Sakumi Ito, 26 freaking pounds on the final day to come out of nowhere, essentially. No one really kind of considered him to be able to win on that final day. People kind of expected a much bigger day from Corey or Chris. Yeah. Uh, or even Bernie of all of all deals because Bernie was Florida man was leading the thing for two days. I think I Bernie think ran out of fish, big fish. Yeah. Do you the think that's a Factor at all area. like guys fishing stuff too much? Yeah. Especially post
2: spawn, because you can only catch so many smallmouth in an area that are coming to you. So like they're on the spawning flat and then that post-spawn fled than deep water, there's only so many fish that are coming out. Yeah, you have a few residents that live in those post-spawn feeding areas all year. But, I mean, they're there at the end of the spawn, so those fish are predominantly post-spawn. But the water was getting so warm that a lot of fish were actually pulling out deep into, like, the abyss and suspending, I bet. So those first two days with um, – oh, I just lost his name. What was his name again? I'm sorry. I just lost it. Bernie. Lady Bernie, yeah, Bernie. So the first two days he cracked big ones. I was thinking Charlie Hartley for some reason, but he's not there. So Bernie, Um he caught big ones the first two days, but you saw by, like, 10 o'clock on day two, his big bites disappeared. Yeah. And then he was he was just catching ample amount ample amounts of like three to three and a half pound males that were fry guarding or feeding or whatever they were there for, and the big females were just gone.
0: Interesting take here from Mister Duckett said that he was Chris was laying off fish on day three and four so Corey could win. I noticed that too. If he stayed on them, he would win. I. Uh... I don't know how I
1: feel about I, – I, I like how they work together. And they – right from what I understand, this could be a rumor. And they, I could share, on on this. they share. They share income. They share all the event winnings. They share, obviously, all their information. Because, like, on day one, Zona was talking about, like, oh, like you saw – I think it was Chris being like, Corey, dude, I thought we were saving that one for the next day. He went and plucked one off of bed. Uh, that they were trying to save, and so like they were kind of like arguing with each other when they saw each other. But it did, yeah, it did seem to me that Chris huh. was giving stuff over to Corey, even though he was in the lead. Uh, because I, it, from an outsider's perspective, it looked like he wanted to have Corey get get a W, um, and I was uh, I was kind of blown away by that because I was like, I don't know, man, if you're in the driver's seat, if you're in a higher position, why would you not uh, have him move forward?
0: Yeah, I, I didn't see that. I don't even know. This is new to me now. Um, that's interesting. So I mean, they didn't they didn't
1: like exploit it on live too much, but they kind of they kind of brought it up like they in like they kind of brought up like how they work together and that kind of a thing. And uh, that's what it seemed like to me is exactly what Dick Zucker was talking about, like to where Chris was like giving Corey stuff towards the end of the event. And um, gosh, yeah, but it was really cool to see Taco win one. That was so
0: cool. Yeah, I mean, what did – I'm trying to remember. Let me pull up results here. I'm trying to think what Chris or Corey needed to – Corey ended up in fourth. I'm trying to think what he needed to win. It wasn't Um,
2: much, I don't think. I think he only needed like 22 pounds to win. Let's see.
1: So I had Chris on my fantasy team, so I can see what place he was in. I mean, if you look at it, day one, Chris was in second. He was in second day two. And then day three was in third, and then was it
0: fifth. Yeah. Four. That's right. Justin Atkins was in the second, which that was wild. Alabama boy, where I mean, where did that come and, from?
1: Yeah. It was know, good to see him. He was a, due uh, for a good yeah. tournament. Yeah,
0: yeah this yeah.
1: season he struggled. That'll He's be cool. huge
0: for him going into next year with the two two day average or a two year average yeah. uh, for staying in the elites because. No offense to Justin, great dude, amazing angler. I was very shocked at his how he did this year, how he performed. I, I was hear. really expecting higher results from him. I was thinking he would probably even potentially get a new trophy this year. But
2: Yeah, I thought he'd be battling in the top five to ten for AOI. And, but it just shows you, like, all it takes is one bad year. Scott Canterbury had his worst professional season ever. So After, <laughs> After yeah.
1: being AOI. Yeah, two years yeah. ago.
2: Clark Wendland had a terrible year as well. Right.
0: Which we're gonna so we're gonna dive into the AOI here in a second, but like it's kind of interesting thinking about it. Now you look at all these guys that you know a couple of years ago we even were um, these amazing anglers, right? Look at and you look at the last year we had. Obviously, these likes are getting been been getting pounded, have pressure on them, but this COVID year did something pressure wise that and obviously, and even weather-wise, this past year and a half well, the weather something that we've never seen before. It makes you wonder if these one these younger guys that are doing so right now, oh well, right now are be able to adjust faster because then maybe these older guys, like—and I'm not saying this to disrespect anybody—but like Canterbury, you know, Scott Martin, guys that have been around Stuck the league in their for ways. a while, are relying too heavily on what they've found in history. And not kind of where these younger guys have a more fresh mind and can adjust a little bit easier, and maybe that's why those younger guys are kind of doing a little bit better when it comes to uh, just from an A O I standpoint. I mean, South fighter, you talk about a fresh mind, a northern guy in the South, and when it comes to adjustments, I mean, I don't know. That's what do you guys one. is that is that theory outlandish or what do you guys
1: think? Uh, I don't think it's outlandish. I think one thing you have to really factor into with a lot of these guys is where they're what stage they're at in their career. So um, when you're talking about young guys, they got nothing to lose, man. I mean, they are out there giving it 120% and they have um, an absolute fire. When you get When these guys get older and more established in their career, right, you hear it all the time, they get pulled sponsorship-wise, they get pulled to family, they get pulled in so many different directions that I think that guys get to a point to where they're not necessarily coasting, but they're – um their skill levels very very strong still but I don't know if the burn is as strong right it happens with all of them so um I think that that is also a big factor you're starting to see guys like Canterbury like Scott martin like those those guys are starting to get to their um you know older part of their career and I'm not saying that they don't have another 25 years in them but just right. uh, you you kind of you kind of see that
0: progress right. as numbers get older yeah, so we'll dive into that in a second here, but I want to bring up this point because we've talked about this a few times, about southern anglers, you know, what is harder, south to north and north to south. I think, and I could be wrong here, but I think this one was an exception because look at where Justin Atkins is from. I think his hometown's Florence uh, in Alabama. His home lake is Pickwick. If there's any lake from a current and smallmouth fishery that could somewhat you know, be relevant and kind of translate to a St. Lawrence, I think it'd be Pickwick. So yeah. I think it almost was kind of interesting for him because like in Pickwick, you, I feel like you drift, like you do drifts, essentially kind of what you do in St. Lawrence, which was what he would do. I mean, I could be wrong there, but I think that'd be kind of, that'd be really cool. And Andrew, I think what I'll try to do is try to reach out to Justin and uh, maybe see if we can dive into that St. Lawrence. Why I mean, did Alabama help him at all? Going to the yeah,
2: same that'd, that'd be interesting. Yeah, to think about yeah, like all that raceway experience at Pickwick. I'm sure, I'm sure helps. But I mean, then again, Justin Atkins was in Lake Ontario, so how much current was he was on Ontario? Running? Yeah. Oh wow! I'm pretty sure he was out in Ontario. Hmm. I, I I think the biggest thing.
1: I mean, uh, I I don't know. Basically. Part of my thought process with all of this, like the debate on the northern to the southern anglers, you're starting to see where guys get to a point, right? Where they've spent enough time up north that they can be just as competitive um, and not necessarily be fighting like being at the level of the Johnston brothers or something like that, but like being contention, being contention for a top 10, being contention to, you know, do well because look, I've, spent, I've been coming up here for three years and I stay an extra two weeks every time. You know, I mean, it's putting in the work, right? It's the same way why Seth is getting comfortable down south and that kind of a thing. Um, you know, it, the wild things to me are when guys have not really spent any time and then they do well. And that's like, wow, that dude's impressive.
0: All right,
2: and, absolutely. So... Well, go ahead, Andrew, sorry. Uh, I was going to say, like, the whole north to south thing, right? So north guys have always had this, like, thing where they can't go south and catch fish. But then you get like the Texas guys who can come north and catch fish because they're loaded with grass fisheries. So when you get northern guys that go south, like let's say on a Gunnersville, Northern Anglers is what I'm learning, have a very they find it easier to figure out grass fisheries in the South than uh-huh. South guys figure out northern grass fisheries. Because I agree one
1: hundred percent.
2: Because grass fisheries in the north, Bailey can attest this, in New York, there's very small little areas in our grass that Mm -hmm. are really, really good. And you can go out in New York, any lake, and catch hundreds of two-pounders on any given day. But learning how to catch four to six-pounders is really hard to do in New York. So once you learn that difference in grass and what to look for, Northern anglers are able to break that down quicker when they go into a grass fishery that might not have as much grass as a Northern fishery, but there's smaller areas of good stuff and they can really pick it apart really well. Cause most of the tournaments up here are one flipping grass. So time here, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow.
0: So, yes, it's an interesting point.
1: Dude. I, I think that that is, uh, Absolutely spot on because, um, something that I've always struggled with like on, on grass fisheries. And I haven't spent like a ridiculous amount of time, but we have a couple of lakes that just have, uh, for instance, a lake that I just fished, uh, in Nebraska a couple of weeks ago has expansive flats of, of, or expansive milfoil. And then like my other experience would be like on Rayburn and fishing some of those random, just giant flats, right. With, with hydrilla on it. And I have always struggled, it, or a concept to me that has always been deadly and just so impressive when guys figure it out, like how Caleb Cupchall, I C- say his last
2: name. C- <laughs> yeah. I believe Kupfell. it's Kupchal. Yeah. There we go. Kupfell.
1: Anyways, the way he did what he did at Guntersville and figured out that little section oh, where those big, big one. ones were, to, to me, that is the most impressive thing because I just get in, in grass like that and I throw – a trap around on Rayburn early in the year, right? And you catch fish and then you like randomly catch a five pounder. It's like, why was that five pounder there? But I caught a two pounder over there. And how guys can break that down with no other technology um, when it's a big, expensive flat like that, other than finding the bites, right? And I've heard like Josh Beardtran talk about, um, oh, the name's slipping me now. Who's the uh, Brett Height with the chatterbait in like Florida? How he is someone who can. It, break down and cross literally cross grid a section of grass like if it's a five or not a five mile but like a mile square mile of grass or maybe a little bit smaller than that like it is incredible to me how guys can break that down and find the sweet spot on the sweet spot where every other guy is three days of practice they're like well i'm gonna check it but i'm not gonna like literally focus on it the entire time and it's uh i don't know just something that's always been super impressive to me because it's a it's an art almost because you can't like use your graph to find it. So once you've right. found the
2: grass with Caleb in Gunnersville, he actually, I believe has a lot of experience on that lake. I'd be interested to know if from fishing there previously, when the grass wasn't grown up quite as much, if he had graft like a hard spot in that grass area that he was fishing, mm. that he caught him on at a different time of year. And he goes, Oh, I know there's a shell bar shell bed here or a rock pile or just sand inside the, like, mucky bottom, what is causing those fish to live right there? I'm sure he found it in the past, and just oh, okay. checked it, and he was like, yep, I'm going to go crack them.
0: <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, because, like, that, I mean, this whole discussion of north to south and south and north, I think it's like, it's probably going to be a never-ending conversation because, you know, really thinking about things. The waters are always going to keep the, these bodies of water are always going to keep changing. And obviously oh, the schedules absolutely. are going to keep changing. So some Northern northern guys will do better than Southerners and Southerners will do better than Northerners. And it's a really interesting topic to get into, but like fishing grass is such a specific deal where like, if you're, if you're not around grass, like, you know, take a guy like, you know, Adam, you're talking about Bertrand that doesn't deal with any grass it can be a very overwhelming thing to think about. Like when you go out west or go out east or even northeast, midwest, you see this just big bowl of grass. It's like, where the heck do you start? It's, it takes a long time to kind of figure out one, what species of grass you're looking at, because that plays a huge factor. And then two, where to actually, you know, make pinpoint and cast. Cause like some guys just go in a grass flat and just go abandon like just randomly. And sometimes they'll run into them. But, like, there's guys like a Kufal that know exactly what to look for in a grass, like a field of grass, and can waste much less time. Like, I don't know. It's pretty interesting to think to dive into. But I want to go back to talking about young anglers versus older anglers in mm-hmm. AOI points. And I just want to bring this up here. And I also want to bring up Mr. Dick Duggett's comment. Because so he does make a great point here, Adam. And he said he agrees, but sometimes he thinks more established guys, meaning older, like guys who have been in the, in the league for a while, can financially afford to gamble and fish for wins. You know, talking like Scott Martin, who could quite, I mean, I'm not going to say he can't because I don't know for a fact, but could easily live off of just his endorsements in YouTube where sure. he can fish more comfortably and go for a win. I think that's what the kind of point he's trying to get at, which I can, I I can get both sides, entirely get both sides. Yeah, uh, but here's kind of something interesting. So, but,
1: uh, one sec, one sec, real quick.
0: Sorry. Yeah. To, to go off of what TikTok is saying, I, I 100%
1: agree from the standpoint of gambling for a win. But my thought process is, as far as work ethic goes, it seems to me like you start to see a a little bit of a detour there, and I and I don't know where that stands on. Okay, you can still go gamble and win one, but my my thought process was strictly related to work ethic, where you got a guy that's 28 and doesn't have a family. Can live in an RV and fish 260 days a year and go and pre practice on this lake and this lake and this lake. And they're burning so hot, you know, that you, you start to see you lose that. But the experience level obviously increases with that and the financial capability
2: yeah. well, to go up, too. I mean, you can even look at like practice scenarios. If you follow the elite anglers on their Instagram, right, and they kind of post how their practice is going, some yeah. guys will get on the water at like 8 a.m. and be off by four, other guys are up like an hour before sunrise, launching their boat, and they're pulling off at dark. And it's that same point like your guys that have been in the leads for the whole, entire time may only practice for six to eight hours a day because they're so familiar with the body of water. Like, okay, we got it figured out. The fish are here, here, and here. I don't want to burn up on them too bad. If I do great, great. If I stumble and die, probably not going to happen. I at least know I'm going to make some money. <laughs> Like, I I could see where the younger guys are, like, in the two-year situation, like, we need to make it, so we have to make it happen now, so we're going to burn ourselves out. That's where those older generation guys that have been in there 10, 15 years, always finish right around the cut line, make the class, Mm -hmm. and don't make it. They're like, all right, I'm going to make my 10 grand or 15 grand this tournament. If I catch a couple big ones, I might make a top 15 or top 10. I'm good with it. I know this body of water. I just have to find the fish. And some of these younger guys have never been to like a Pickwick or a Gunnersville. That's their first time there. And they end up blowing the doors off the tournament and doing great because they're out there so much that they can really get dialed into what the fish are doing. I I think it's more of an energy thing than a willingness thing because the older guys, like sure. I find it on some bodies of water to where I'm like, oh, I only really need to practice for three hours because I have them so dialed and I know what they're doing. And then the other bodies of water, I want to be out
0: there sunrise and the sunset. So I think it's a mental ordeal. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. And I can, I'm totally in agreement with you there, Andrew, where it's like some of my home lakes, you know, <sighs> a lake that I'm on all the time, spend the most time on. If I go practice there, I'll check some of my stuff if the right bites, and the right fish are there, I will leave. And it doesn't even matter if it's three hours or for 10 hours. But whereas a lake, like say, like when I went down to Texas, I was out at five in the morning, an hour and a half before sunrise. I was out graphing and I was out there until after dinner because I was the theory of like Andrew just mentioned, no time wasted, you know, where you don't know what's going on, keep moving along because you might find something better or you might tune into something. You might have a plan D, E, whatever uh, it's it's definitely a mental mental deal, but it,
1: yeah, like uh, that is something. And I know we keep going on tangent, tangent, tangent. I'm sorry,
0: but like, tangents are fine. Tangents like, are what the show is built off. of. <laughs> Serious yeah.
2: tangent segment. Dude, that is something that I have struggled with
1: um, probably since I started fishing tournaments from high school to college, and then into the Toyota Series and stuff and Fast Nation, all that. It's like. I have always had the mindset of the daylight to dark, right? Like grinding, absolutely being the first one to the ramp, last one to leave. And if you're practicing for four or five days, man, like that, that is a beat down by the time you go into that event, depending on the time of the year. I mean, summer, like that is a long, long mm-hmm. day, especially up north. But like, it is so interesting to me then to hear from guys like Hank Cherry in the classic, talking about his practice schedule and what he likes to do. And, um, man, it's something I study so much with these guys, and it's I feel like the biggest thing is to find what works for you because
0: there oh, are mental. guys
1: who are, I going to absolutely grind his face off from the beginning to the end of the practice period. Like, when you have Adrian Avena, dude, like, that dude was crazy. Like, there were stories about him, from what I understand, like, basically before they made the rules where you could um, not practice at night on those ledge tournaments on like Kentucky Lake, he'd, he'd graph all night, find ledges, like find fish on them during a practice night, then go out and practice the next day. Like just, yeah, no, Cherry does not overpractice. Cherry <laughs> is the opposite. Yeah. It's just crazy, which right. is so cool. Like, I don't know. There's I feel like there's a mindset there and there's so many ways to look at it. Like, oh, I wouldn't have found that if I didn't spend... Wasn't out on the water till seven p.m. and but other times it can hurt you. And I feel like the biggest thing is being focused. I think that's a big part of it.
0: Yeah. Once you get married and have a kid, there's no more sunrise to sunset practicing for a month. I don't care how cool your wife is. (laughs) This is a great point. Yeah. Or become a guide. Like yeah,
2: practicing itself. So yeah,
0: like no, that's that's (laughs) a good point. I remember practicing. Yeah, I think it was a Jacob Wheeler video I was watching, and he was mentioning how him, Avina, I think he meant, I think he said like uh, Connell. Like basically the whole group uh, of guys that we watch now, that like they literally would just stay out from dark until literally like the next morning almost, graphing just to get as much done as they possibly can, and part of it's just like, damn, that's a lot, but then also part of me like my mental side's like respect, like. You earned every bit of that if you win that thing, because like that's a that's a lot of lost sleep and uh, loss of energy. That's a lot of sacrifice to you know, get after it, and I mean that's it's a lot of desire behind that, really. So, like, um, yeah. but I respect. I mean, I respect it all. Like, like, what? Uh, who, who mentioned it? Yeah, Dick mentioned it over here. Jerry doesn't overpractice. How many times? you well, said for both classics? How he? Uh, how Brock Mosley would be the guy to stay out until dark when? You know, he'd get off the water at three or four o'clock when he once he felt he got enough done. And like like we said, it's just whatever works for you. So it's just it's kind of interesting. But yeah, Anthony, I am sipping some whiskey. We got a few bottles downstairs. I have no idea what the heck it even is. I can't remember, to be quite honest. Uh, <laughs> just grabbed a bottle, poured a drink, and came upstairs. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Going back on the point earlier of young anglers, older anglers, and how it played into AOI, at least this season, I'm looking at Bassmaster AOI right now. It would be interesting to look at Major League Fishing and MPFL to kind of see how these translate. But yeah. I'm looking at 1 through 20, the top 20 right now. We have Gerald Swindle in 19th. Can you put do, you want to call, do you want to call Hank Cherry a veteran? Hank Cherry's a veteran. He's a 2 Oh, absolutely. Oh, he's, he's been, been there for
2: 2008 when Grand. was. Le- no, yeah, not that long. Won, he almost Grand won Grand, League.
0: yeah. Yeah, that was his debut, I think, because when he won an Open, I believe. and then, yeah. yeah, to get to the Classic. Um, okay, so Gerald, Cherry. We got Jason Christie's a veteran, and Greg Hackney. I, I he,
1: consider Brandon Lester a veteran.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been there for 10 years. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's five. Would you consider Polonik a, a new, get newish guy still, or do you consider him a veteran? That's an, that's He's right. veteran. He's, He's one like, too much, yeah. Yeah. Six out of the 20 have been. Brandon,
1: okay, what about FLW guys that came over, right? Like Brandon Cobb. Well, when Brandon Cobb Shane came over. Hugh.
2: Was Brandon Cobb considered a rookie when he came over? He's still pretty young. I, I don't know, man. I just know that uh, he
1: was pretty stout fishing uh, before that.
0: I it's just, I look at a lot of these guys and at least like looking at that top 20 a lot of them are younger guys.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not saying I, I, mean, I I'm not saying fighters like a young guy but like, I don't I think it developed. depends on
2: age class. Like we should probably be breaking this down by age. Like once you hit a certain age, you practice a little different because you can go to the end of the the leaderboard, right? And you could find guys in the same group. You could age go by group. age. You could go by yeah. age at the end. Yeah, but you'll still see guys at the bottom that are in the same age group.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I would say that the majority are right. Like Gary Klaus, Rick Morris, right? If I'm going off the bottom to 10, Rick yeah. Klun, David Fritz, like nothing against any of those guys, but
2: they're all older guys,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Probably on that oldest echelon of mm-hmm. pros.
2: So I guess, nice. you know, kind of like NFL with running backs, like the max age for them is like 28 years old and then you see a decline. I'd be curious what that age group would be for professional anglers before That's you start questions. to see the decline. Because some guys keep mm-hmm. catching them into their 50s, 60s, but how many of those groups of anglers do we have right now that are in the 50s and 60s that are fishing and an extremely high level and winning tournaments? Not many. No,
1: I didn't see what happened with Klon at the way I
0: don't know, I have no idea what happened with Klon at the way I didn't get a chance to watch. Let's drop a drop a quick story in here, Duckett. Let's get that, it Get that
1: keyboard going.
0: Yeah. Klon <laughs> <laughs> apparently broke his back last year, running out to Ontario at last year's event. Holy crap. Oh, ouch. Is it? Jeez. It's grief. Yeah, ouch. All right. So... We went on a major tangent here with the elites talking about old versus young and A.O.I. But either way, uh, much to his credit, Bart did call Fighter at the beginning to win A.O.I. Uh, and much more to his credit, Fighter completely ran away with A.O.I. Winning yeah. by what, sixty-one points over Chris Johnston. Yeah. Which, if you think about it, if Chris, no, like. Obviously, if St. Lawrence wasn't Chris's like place to be, could you imagine the point differential? He would have blown away Aaron Martin's margin of victory, which I believe he almost broke.
2: Yeah. I don't he know what was
0: corrected. a bigger surprise, fighter
2: actually winning AOI or Patrick Walters falling on his face at the St. Lawrence.
0: Okay. Hear me out here. I think... And I don't mean, I, I keep saying this thing, but like, I don't want to burn any bridges or piss anyone off. That's like my, I hate that. I hate pissing anyone off. But I think Patrick Walters needs to get away from that freaking panoptics when he's up north. Agreed. Because, it, yes, it can help, but in certain situations, you cannot rely on that in the north. I think that it's I, I, I shown how effective that. it is in Texas, but in the north, man, fish are everywhere. You got, you yeah, got,
1: I don't know. I agree, and I don't. I don't listen. Like I, I have it right. Like I have LiveScope, and I've used it over the last year and a half, and have seen it on our smallmouth fisheries, which are not your smallmouth fisheries by any means. They're smallmouth. They really, yeah, yeah. Like, like these fish are out in the middle of nowhere doing the same thing. They're feeding on smelt, like in sixty feet of water right now, and like it. I, I, I agree that guys get too dialed in with it, right? And it, I don't. But then, like, you hear I had a buddy that won uh, the BFL on St. Clair. All he was doing was scoping them, 23
2: pounds. Right. And I, and I, I think St. Clair is exceptions. a different story. Is it? I think there's okay. exceptions.
0: Look at Fork. Fork has shown, if you have panoptics, you can do well on Fork certain times of the year. St. Clair, I think that's another great one. You can do well on St. Clair certain times of the year. I think there it can be a factor at every tournament but I don't think you should stare at that thing for eight hours every single day. There's certain times yeah. where it's effective. Like and Andrew, I wanna talk you know, for an example, when you and Destin had twenty nine pounds on Erie, you used it for some fish, but you guys only used it for a small window of time.
2: So mm. oh, virtually like when we caught that twenty nine pounds on Erie, we we were using it in a sense to find them. And then we would spot lock because we knew where they were, and we would stop looking at it because we found ourselves chasing ghosts. And mm-hmm. then we we're like, okay, we know the rock is here based on scanning the area, and then we just started making precision casts to the rock and we would catch them off a of live scope. I think we only caught two or three um on the live scope, but they were also our six eight, a six five, and a six three. Mm-hmm. But those were like the only three we caught seeing them eat the bait. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I'm.
1: I'm 100% agreeance with you guys. Like from that standpoint, to me, the best thing with Livescope doesn't have, at least in my uses. I know I, I'm not good at catching them that I can, you know, specific fish that I can see the way, especially the way the Elite Series guys are, like Taku and like I mean, obviously Patrick Walters and those kinds of guys. But to me, the biggest use for it is you're anywhere. And you can look and be like, oh, wow, you know what? I never knew there was a rock pile there too. And maybe there's fish on it, maybe there's not. But I I do the same thing. I'll spot lock because I know where it is now. And I'll make my cast. Or like I'm going down the bank fast and I'm always looking out, out, as I'm going down the bank with a bait, if I'm throwing a jerk bait or something. And then I'm like, oh, wait, there's a couple there. Those could be bass. Or I see a brush pile that I never saw before. Those are the
2: situations to me. It's the structure
1: almost Mm -hmm. more so than the
2: actual nomadic fish. Absolutely. I agree. Because if you find structure, you find fish. And it helps, though, because you can tell how they react to your bait. But mm-hmm. I, what I found with Destin is after a certain point when we were watching them on the live scope, they almost got conditioned quicker. So, hmm. yeah, you could drop the flatworm on them the first couple times they'll eat it. But I wonder how that ping on them reacts because eventually we would cast it in there and we'd see them come up, and all of a sudden they would almost feel it and turn away. Like, I'm not falling for that again mm-hmm. type deal. So, but yeah, as soon as dude. we started like casting away from the boat,
0: we would start catching them again. I think there's guys that, and like for, at least for me, being, and I might be using a little bit of favoritism, but like 360, I think is the most effective technology for most, most cases. I think there's anglers that haven't, the guys that, have not used forward yet that might be picking up now, like for a great example, like fighter. That, yeah. That haven't used it, but are now picking up and realize, you know, have given this the chance for guys to break it in and for them to learn them from the mistakes where they know to, and I guess the best way to explain it is, for example, talking to fighter about mega live. And he said, it's a great way for me to find fish and maximize my efficiency by not wasting time as in saying he can find fish, see how they react. And that way he can dial in a pattern faster. And then he said, I can forget about it. Like he can use his 360 to find it. He can see some fish on his mega live, but then he can just keep going along and catching fish, but not staring at his screen. I mean, he, the way he did with the hair jig uh, on all the sailboats, I mean, he was using mega live a little bit, but he said they were so high in the water column, like subsurface, that he didn't even use mega live. He was just structure fishing, visually fishing, but he's in fifteen to twenty foot of water.
1: Yeah, no, dude. I, I the biggest thing with this, this, the forward facing sonar and the, all the arguments and gosh, everything that you see online. The biggest, the biggest thing to me is this. Is my final say after seeing this for a year and a half with everything, right? Everyone saw it come out and they're like, "Oh my gosh, it's crazy effective," and it is. And it and it is very effective, and you can catch one on on uh, live scope or any forward facing sonar, probably any time of the year. You can catch one on it. You can catch a couple of fish on it. But to win a tournament, there are very few situations where, in my opinion, a couple of events a year, right? Just like when it, you know whatever your specific situation is, a top water bite, it, that is when it can play in very few situations. It's not a, it's not an end all. Catch all, be all by any means. It's another one other tool. thing, Yes, it's another tool. One thing where it is crazy effective, and it's because of how easy it is to see your bait. So I learned on Lake of the Ozarks this year in the trade, and I didn't end up using it. I had a good finish throwing cash a check, throwing a jerk bait, not looking with it, right? But after seeing some guys that are crazy, crazy good with an A rig, watching fish, I mean, dude, you can absolutely watch it. Like, I had a buddy that was throwing at fish, right, watching them not eat it, sit down, relax, and throw it again at that same fish. After that fish got stable again, catching it, right, right. like scoping them with 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 a a rig. It is crazy effective. I mean, it's a yeah, ball of bait it, going by. You can see it on your screen. It is stupid,
2: but then little live situation. I just saw Smalley's using Live Scope on a buddy's boat. It is so much fun with an a rig, oh, with amazing. Live Scope and like. Oh four to six foot of water and you're reeling it and all of a sudden you pan it over and you'll see the a-rig coming <laughs> and you could see like a swarm of like three to four pound smallmouth just chasing it Yeah, <laughs> like Man, oh, gonna eat it. and then you pause and then they just like implode on it you're like <laughs> oh, <there he> is.
0: <laughs> Like, it's
2: so cool but it's you like just, oh I would get lost I can't do it like if let me ask you guys this. if you had you. to
0: choose Really fast Andrew. Sorry. Really fast. No I just wanted to say really fast because I feel bad that we've made it wait this long. Uh huge shout out to Daniel Robinson for dropping five bucks. Uh we never ever, ever 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 asked for anyone to donate money. Uh but we really appreciate that dude. Uh send me your address if you can we you send some serious angler stickers and stuff. Uh appreciate it. Obviously we never asked for anyone to donate money. Uh we've we're here because we enjoy it, but I just felt like that needed to be uh, yes. one here. And we'll get to Daniel. We'll get to your question here in a second, but sorry, Andrew. Carry on. So
2: if you guys had to choose one, and Bailey, you don't count here until the very end because I know where your mind is going to go. But if, <laughs> now that you've used LiveScope, Deacon, if you yeah. had the choice to start over fresh, would you take 360 or LiveScope? So I'm the opposite of Bailey to where I don't have that much
1: experience with 360. I've been on a couple of boats with it, but I haven't had it the way I have live scope and have dialed it in and use it everywhere. Uh, so very much bias, but I would go live scope because I feel like I can still pan and see structure that I need to see. And during those situations where you can see specific fish, I like it. And more so I like being able to see, bait and fish together and seeing how they relate is the coolest thing to me and being an area where i'm like wow okay i'm around shad but i'm also around fish chasing shad i'm watching it happen i'm in an active area i'm not just going down like it, it cuts your practice time faster when they're offshore those kinds of situations still super visual guy big for instance like this year uh on pueblo reservoir which is a really clear lake we have we had a, a pro team tournament and it was literally clear enough this year to where you could see 20 foot 25 foot. I was throwing at specific trees that I could see. And I was thinking to myself, I could be doing this on live scope. I still liked just being able to literally see the tree and make that cast mm-hmm. rather than look at it on live scope. But then the next day in, during the tournament in practice, I was doing that and seeing fish on those trees. The next day I had my waypoint marked and I roll up with live scope and it was cloudy and I couldn't see those trees, but I knew where they were. From my waypoint, but also being like, okay, there it is, 70 yards away, 70 feet away, make the cast there. But I don't know. That's that's a, a long-winded answer, but I would go live scope because that's what I have more comfortable ability using.
2: Fair enough. So I mean I'll go on the record here saying I have never owned either. So I'm about as green as green comes when it comes to, but I've used both and they're mm-hmm. both great in situations. But for me in the Great Lake setting on Lake Erie. I think I would prefer 360 with an all track really? spot lock because, here's my deal, when you go to scope, right, and you pan that trolling motor around the look, it takes you off a of spot lock. Mm-hmm. So if you have 360, you can sit there and pan 360 feet around, and if you know how to dial it in like a Brandon Polinick did at Champlain last year, he literally was seeing fish on his 360 70 yards behind his boat and just turning keeping the boat on spot lock and casting to it so before destin got live scope on his boat he had 360 on his previous one It was the first time i ever fished with him and this is when we became really good friends he had 360 he was up here practicing for the coast and buffalo and we're fishing the specific area and we're spot lock and i could see on his 360 all the rock piles so In a co-angler situation, he was fishing the ones in front of the boat and Mm -hmm. I was casting the ones to the side and off the back and we were doubled up the entire time because we are able to be more efficient by seeing the entire underlay of the bottom. So if you're focused on that live scope, in my opinion, you're focused on solidarity fish, like one or two fish, the ones that you're looking at and you're trying to cast them, that 360 Your spot lock, you can literally just pick fish off if you align your boat properly in your waypoints and you can see all the rock around you. You can pick off more fish, but they both have a time and importance to me. But Mm -hmm. I truly believe I would take 360 over live scope
1: Mm -hmm.
2: because I'm just like an old school person when it comes to graphs. I want to see what's on the bottom because just by looking at side scan 360 down imaging, you can tell what those fish are doing already. And if they're going to eat or not based on their positioning in the water level at least on the great lakes sure
0: yeah and i'm not saying this cuz i, I don't have not bias but like i'm such a structure fisherman target fisherman that i'm 360 100% as much as like it's a it's the bee's knees and it's freaking awesome and fun to use a forward facing sonar uh for me like at least you know talking from a boat standpoint and obviously i'm the kayaker here but as some people know, if they pay attention, I'm having two helixes on my Hobie coming up soon. Uh, so this, is, <laughs> so this Thanks, is, uh, is exactly, like, why I wanted to do this. So, like, from a, I know a lot of people, got, these people that are tuning in are on a boat. So you have a graph on a dash and a graph up front, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're side imaging. Let's take a, a Lake Erie, for, for instance. You're graphing along. You find a rock pile. Maybe you find a, a, a spot on a spot. And you mark that waypoint. When you go up to your 360, when you go near that area, if that waypoint shows up on 360, so you can pinpoint that exact spot, you can see where they live. And obviously on side imaging, you can see if they're there. 2D, you can see if they're there. I just think from a universal standpoint, 360 is more effective than a forward-facing sonar. And I could be entirely wrong. I I might be biased in the fact that I'm a target fisherman. But if yeah. you can will, if you can willingly get up and just chase an individual fish with that thing and get five bites like that all day long then hell yeah more power oh, to you all day yeah yeah and i think it kind of comes back to what we talked about being mental like if you can physically, fiz- if you can mentally do that for eight hours and chase five big bites i mean more power to you that's how you're gonna win heck yeah dude mm-hmm. amen to you good luck because i would lose my mind i would so, dude, the first fish that ran away i'd be like well, first fish that goes right when I turn yeah. on the left, I'd be like, all right, I'm done.
1: <laughs> no, I, I agree. And it's crazy, right? Like it, but there's guys that, that are just out there chasing those nomadic fish that are in 20 feet of water over 50 and they're good at it. And it's just and it and it's it's cool to me. It's a it's a concept. But I'm probably more like you guys. Uh, I like fishing specific structure. One other comment I'd make would be the own, brush piles, you obviously can still see on 360, but specific fish in timber like how we see patrick walter's fish i wonder i i don't know again but my thought process is with live scope i mean you can aim it at a very specific you know if there's a timber field and there's trees everywhere you can see if there's a fish on every tree whether it be a five pounder or a two pounder tied against that tree i don't know what that looks like on through 60 but that was a thought i had is if it's like expansive timber field can you still see those fish specifically
2: yeah I don't know. But I, I guess a good person to ask that would be Paul Nick because it's Sam Rayburn or even Santi Cooper, right? He only had 360 when he won on Rayburn when he won. He won Santee Cooper, right? No, who won Santee Oh, no, Santa, Yeah,
0: yeah. I, yeah. Thought, I forgot. Yeah, he won Rayburn. Yeah. He won Rayburn
2: a couple years ago in Texas.
0: Yeah, he had, he, he had 360. 360. He was, he was in brush piles. He was piles.
2: In brush piles and, he, and he said he could see him in the brush yeah. powers at Rayburn so on 360 yeah.
1: yeah which makes i could see that in a pile especially when you're talking like five to seven pounders on a pile you could probably see that fish yeah. you know what i mean just because it's so big yeah but no that yeah and he's you're exactly right every time you watch him on live or something he's he's using his 360 incredibly well
0: yeah i mean he even said it yeah like andrew said and like he just caught that seven pounder and was like i saw that fish on 360 you know That's wild, but, dude. all right I'll, okay. I keep seeing this all over the place, and I don't mean to, like, I'm not trying to be negative or bash, but I keep seeing this whole limit, how much, you know, electronics they can use. They're already limited
2: like in time. Like, it's another tool, in my opinion. Let them have the electronics.
0: I, and I'm not meaning any disrespect here to Craig's comment, but modern times, modern technology, if you want to live old school, my... Uh, thought presses You're just going to get lapped, and that's your own problem. Uh, these companies sponsor these trails. They're not; these trails are not going to limit the amount of technology that you can use from the sponsors because that's just not how business works. So, if the t- companies are putting out the technology, anglers are going to buy them. Anglers are going to use them. Uh, anglers are going to do whatever they can to get on, get their hands on whatever is new, whatever is catching fish, whatever is going to help them make more money, so that they can keep doing what they're going to do. And personally, I I mean, you might have used forward-facing sonar, you might have not. I think if you haven't used forward-facing sonar and you degrade forward-facing sonar, I don't think that comment's valid because it is fun as hell, as we've mentioned so many times. These tools help you find more fish. There's so many guys that have talked about using forward-facing sonar and still not being able to catch fish.
1: It's frustrating at end, man
0: At the end of the day, it is a tiny, tiny tiny like we ta- we said earlier, our niche in the industry is so small that even even tiny smaller you know percentage of guys can be filthy with that sonar. You're just seeing it on TV because it's an elevated media platform for the niche that we're in. That's yeah. the only reason it's it's there are so many fish in these lakes. It's only a, a tool to help you find fish. it does not catch them for you. Now, some lakes, like Lake Ontario, they're a lot easier to catch than like a Lake Gunnersville, where there's Mm -hmm. 1,400 boats on it every freaking day. But (laughs) it's it's just part of using what resources you have. And at the end of the day, if you don't have the money to afford technology, I don't know what to tell you other than I'm sorry. Save up money? I I, I don't know. I don't know what a great uh, response to that is because I've seen that all over the place where some guys can't afford it. Well, if you can't afford it, you probably shouldn't try to be fishing professionally
1: or go beat the bank and beat them that way. Plenty of guys yeah. that do that still
0: like Kyle pillars out here, beating the bank and being a badass.
2: Well, you Let's know what? In the comments. I think beating the bank is a very underappreciated skill. Oh my God, yeah. It's one of the toughest things to do is put together beating the bank. And I'm saying take away docs. If you take away docs and you go and beat a bank, good luck to you because if you figure it out, you're probably going to beat everybody. Because there's so many big ones that live on banks, but they're so hard to find and so hard to catch.
1: So hard to get five. Yeah. yeah.
2: You might you can catch four for eighteen pounds and be like, Oh, I got beat with nineteen for five. And you're just like oh, I got my four big bites. I just needed that kick that that fifth fish, just a keeper, and I would have won. It's very hard. It's very I, hard. I see.
0: Technology has come so far and done so much more than we all thought you could. I have no idea what could be next. That's true. <laughs> okay, and that brings us mega, to... Mega-mega-imaging? Uh, <laughs> I mean, there already is mega-imaging. No, I said mega-mega. Double-mega-mega-extra-live. Extra-live. Not to, like, skip too far ahead, but, like, ICAST, there were... I, I, this was, like, the most <laughs> overlooked deal ever, but there were literally glasses that would give you a topographic layout of the lake you're on. So, like, when you turned around, you could see all – like you basically saw Navionics or Lake Master in your glasses when you looked down at the lake. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't see that at all. No, we'll we'll dive into that in a little bit, but we missed some questions here that I wanted to dive into. Um, Okay, there's one part of the elites we got to hit before we move on to ICAST. Trying to catch up in these comments here. Um, but yeah, so the technology question, we can literally go on forever about. So the last thing for, on the terms of technology is in deep water, Daniel Robinson had a question here. In deep water, isn't side and down more important or efficient than for locating schools? I feel like that could be a big difference in north for south. I don't really think it's an argument over north for south. But I agree in that side imaging and down imaging are way easier to locate schools than obviously like a forward-facing sonar because you can't really graph with a forward-facing sonar. I know some guys probably do, but it's not efficient when you're moving at three to five miles an hour as much as like a side imaging or a down imaging is as good as they are today. That can change coming forward, but...
1: Yeah, I feel like it's more efficient because it's faster, right? You're driving the boat. You're seeing guys now, like, <laughs> with two live scopes, which is crazy. One, one, or they're putting one on the back of their boat to be able to graph. Um, I personally, if I've like, if there's fish that are chasing out in the middle of nowhere, I've uh, and I've done this for wiper, which is really cool. But I've left my trolling motor down and then idled, you know, and found them again with with uh, with that forward-facing sonar. It got up and started casting because they were above that kind of low. Uh, water column that you see with your down and side scan. But right. um, I agree that it's 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 a lot more efficient to be uh, using your down and side to find especially structure but schools of fish too sometimes.
0: Right. All right, I keep seeing this freaking question. I think it's called iron smoke whiskey. People keep asking what kind of whiskey I'm sipping.
1: I know I'm I'm jealous that you have a cocktail drink. I mean something.
0: I ran out of beer let's see <laughs> duckett's bringing all the questions or the comments in here tonight. that might be a coffee question to be honest <laughs> it might be the best comment of the night with a witch <laughs> I drank half a bottle of tin cup in an hour at a campground near Cayuga and had a conversation with a witch at 2am <laughs> did the witch turn you into dick duckett <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my gosh oh we've all had to yeah. see <laughs> yeah all right so funny. all right quiet. what i want to dive into now i saw the question where is it i think FastPack pack asked this question basically they're asking about our opinions on the schedule for 2022 oh, that, that's a really good one it is a great one that we should definitely cover no i already was touching. <laughs>
2: So my my first thing is St. John's, whatever. They go to the St. John's every year.
0: Yeah, I'm actually, okay, so I'm I'm gonna just throw it out there. I'm sick of them going back to St. John's.
2: It gets worse and worse every year, it seems like the eelgrass is gone. It's
0: you know, what not, be, cool? You know be cool if they went to like Lake Seminole first and then went down to the Harris chain.
2: Yeah, I agree. Or even throw it down. At, a start wild card. at the Harris
0: chain and go up. Go to, like,
2: Lanier in February. It's not going to be that cold, 40s, 50s. Knoxville is way further north and frozen. But, I mean, St. John's, whatever, Big Fish, they're basically gone unless they open up Rodman again. And I'm just not excited about that one, but they go because it gives them big money. A lot of people show up, and that's what it's all about. The more I money they it. bring in by sponsors, the more money they can do. Like going to a crazier place like Lake Oahu, back there in the dirt roads, and
0: not a gas station around for four hours. So, like, yeah, I, I it, get the business side. I really do. It's like the Open going back to Louisville every other year. It's, I, I, I get the business side, but I just from a fan standpoint, they're like. I mean come on. Monotony. Yeah. And like boring. I'm not saying yeah. And like as much as people love smallmouth and as much as you and I being New Yorkers love here in Champlain and St. Lawrence, but like every year. I mean Yeah, you gotta change it up. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong there, but um Yeah, so Saint John's River, Harris Chain, February. I'm excited February. for Harris Chain. I, I think that was gonna be fun. Yeah.
2: Like okay. you could see a thirty five pound bag one day, and then the next day they might catch 12. So I think that's going to be a lot of flip-flopping, and that's going to be a ton of fun. I'm, I'm excited that they have two Florida events and not going to Okeechobee because I'm not a big fan of Okeechobee events. I think they're boring. But Harris Chain, you're going to see them crack them on a chatterbait, a trap. Basically, whatever they want to catch them on, they're going to catch them. So right. that, one, that one's exciting for me.
0: All right, Roger. here's the question. My biggest question for the 2022 schedule. Will Hank Cherry be a 3P? No. Cuz it's Hartwell. Like Hartwell, home March, home turn? March on Hartwell.
1: Hmm.
2: No? No. I don't think he's no, I don't well, think he did good there in the last two classics that were there that he was in. What
1: well, uh, date-wise what were they like in the previous
2: classics? That time of year, it's cold. They'll be pre spot. Oh, yeah. on... I
0: think it was the same no, time of was year, the same maybe week, like a few like weeks later.
2: But I think it was a couple weeks so later. Off.
1: That I was the one where LiveScope could really play. That was the one K- that
0: Christie was winning until last day, right? That's the one that um... March
2: 4th, I think, was around the time Casey Ashley won. Casey and it was like 30 degrees at blastoff, and They were catching him in 60 foot of water on underspins. Right. Yeah. Magic is
1: an A-Rig yeah. in that derby. Yeah.
0: No, that's
2: fine.
0: <laughs> I hope not. Less competitive. See, Daniel, I, I kind of disagree. I kind of think, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't call the Bassfield less competitive. I think because they're new names that people aren't giving them enough credit. Cause they oh, I been. think they're better. I think they're a lot better. You
1: think they're better? I don't know about better, but I think they're very competitive. You think So you yeah. have
2: the big name nostalgia that left and went to MLF, but I think there's more talent there now. Personally, because, I mean, if you look at it, Hackney had a good year. Yeah, Christie had a good year. But Polinick is really the only one that's been super consistent since he came back. But he's in that age group with the young guns that are killing it. It's a lot of those guys came back that have come back, I think, from a nostalgia standpoint. Not a Christie. He's ultra-competitor. But I think a lot of these guys that are in now are younger, so they're working harder. And I there's more big bags caught than ever, in my opinion.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Like I mean, said,
0: it, I definitely think there's more specialists, but I think – right, Yeah, so I think – I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know
1: if I agree with that, Andy. I, I, I,
0: I'm trying, I, I don't agree, but I don't disagree. In terms of I think the anglers are just as good – I think yeah. their their brands and their names aren't as big, sure. because obviously the, the the guys who went to MLF were the biggest names in the sport because the sport is relatively young for obviously what we're diving into from from the level that it's come to. I think I don't think it's fair to compare the level of the field because they're two completely different styles of fishing. I mean, you've seen guys that were killers in five bass format that haven't really done much at all from a major league fishing format
1: and that and that right there is my point onto why i don't know if i could justify saying the current elite field is better than major league fishing because you look at some of these killers in the that were killers and still are killers in a five fish format i mean mm-hmm. like it's pretty hard to argue anything against jacob wheeler it's pretty justin hard to argue lucas. against justin lucas it's like ish monroe still phenomenal in five fish derbies like there are some and and this is what's like right it's, in the npfl there's going to be a, a couple of guys that many guys that are really really good like there's it's just how our industry currently is is there is so much talent spread across and it is just incredible to me the class of anglers at all of it in yeah. every single one and so that's why i personally my thoughts are i can i can say they're all close not I mean, I'm talking about the major two, but like, I'm not saying I can't justify Bass being better because they're younger names. I, I can just say that that there's a lot of very high quality anglers right now on on so every circuit.
2: My I my think. cross point would be mm-hmm. if you look at the practice side of things, right? Mlf they get what okay. one day of practice, I think it is, or a day and a half of practice. The elites practice for three days from sun up to sundown. Obviously, they're going to be able to put a better five-fish product out to the fans. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of an appeal is what makes it look better. I'm not saying guys in the MLF are bad, like Mark Daniels Jr., Justin Lucas, Jacob Wheeler. They can all catch Edwin fish. Evers, Edwin sorry. Evers. with the best of mm-hmm. Kevin Van Dam is still, if you put him in a five-fish thing, he's probably going to be in the top. I'd be scared. Every time, absolutely. (laughs) So, like, I guess it comes down from a media standpoint, what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Because Bass does a way better job at portraying anglers. Do I think they have a special niche for portraying more anglers than others? That's a topic for another day. But there are some very good anglers in Bass that have zero recognition that on any other given day, any body of water, they could win. On the MLF Mm -hmm. and the format that they're in, I don't think it's so much that way. Because you have guys that absolutely just throttle fish and can catch 100 to 200 fish every time they go out. And then you have guys that are stuck in that five-fish-catching mentality that are always at the bottom of the field. So it's, it's, it's arguing apples to oranges. Which one's better? Who likes what more? you you just can't really justify the argument either way. Pers- like that's where it comes down to for me. Yeah. I'll and agree with the guys. Go ahead, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say I agree with this point point in that I think there's more proven talent like Daniel said on the MLF side. The guys with a, a better resume, but I think I mean that's an as an obvious point obviously cuz you know a lot of new guys being on the vast side and it's going to take a while to accrue that that resume. Uh, but also a point here is saying that if you're not beating the same guys, it's not the same level. He mentions uh, Born to Fish mentions KVD, Wheeler, Defoe, Evers, Lee. and while I think that those guys are some of the best uh, guys, if not some of the best you know in the world right now, um, I kind of I, I get the point there. But it's like it's kind of like saying it's like taking credit away from a divisional winner in the NFL because Tom Brady's not in your division. But I don't. I just don't think that applies. I think, I think they're still just as talented. It's just a completely. Are you different...
2: stabbing at my bills?
0: I am stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> I should I'm probably sorry. change that if I'm going to be moving to Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, but... I, I think no, to. It's just a, I don't know. At the end of the day, I love fishing. I love watching both. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's I fair all 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 to compare the two. I watch all of it,
1: and obviously, I don't know. I like the coverage of Bassmaster, and I really like the fantasy, and I love how, like you said, they portray their anglers. Everyone follows it so hardcore. Um, I still watch a lot of the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. I still watch plenty of the Major League Fishing, but that's another aspect of all this, right? Like if you look at the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit standings, Angler of the Year, you got Mike, all all the guys that decided to fish both, right, because they were allowed to do that if they wanted to, still hundred and $35,000 payout. Uh, You got Michael Neal leading it. Skeet Reese in second. Cole Floyd is just a hammer. Um, Justin Lucas is in fifth. Jeremy Lawyer. Adrian Avena is in eighth. Um, You know, Mike McClellan. You got plenty. And that's in a five-fish derby format. I mean, if you were – it's just – it's frustrating, right? And it's what guys always talk about. We don't have a pinnacle, pinnacle league in tournament bass fishing because there's so many different formats and i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad route it's just hard to compare anglers without having everyone be on the same field and i don't think there's really honestly a point to doing it it's just that there's a lot of big talent out there and if a guy can make a living in this sport whether it be major league fishing bass master elite series or you own a business and you're fishing the NPFL, like or doing that like that stuff is so cool to me that all these guys are able to do it And uh, maybe one day there'll be a combination of things, but right now I'm just happy watching fishing. I'm ate up with it. I watch anything that's available all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I don't want to make this into this whole tangent here, but I want to get back to the Elite Series schedule because this
1: should be called the TV show.
0: Really Really excites me. Yeah, we. We should have this as a whole show because I think, I think our platform, we can do it the right way and not have any grudges, hard feelings, any bias. No, I think we, I think we be the right platform for it, but I will say this. I think both leagues are extremely difficult to be successful in extremely hard to win. It's chock full of guys that are absolute sticks and that deserve every bit of being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I just think it's completely different. And I think that from an elite series standpoint, it's hard to win because I always need the biggest bag where you have to find the bigger fish. But also I think in that major league fishing, I think you're hit with different variables because you have a day off where then when you take a day off, every angler knows it and you come back, it can almost be like you're going fishing brand new all over again, depending on the conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I think each one has its different niche, different variables. And like we kept saying all the time, you just don't think it's fair to compare the two. I think there's some old names. Here's what I'll say. And I want to end it with here because I think we should make this a different episode. And (laughs) I want to get back to this elite schedule. Uh, I've actually just lost my train of thought. Oh, okay, here we go. All
2: right, back to the schedule. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Bass, Bass is doing, and this is, I don't mean to offend anybody, but Bass is doing a way better job of marketing, approaching fans, reaching fans. I think Major League Fishing is losing a huge opportunity, I guess I should say, they have a huge gap because they do not market their events worth a damn. Because I don't know how many people I've heard text me because – I'll post something on my story, or I'll talk about it. And they're like, oh, damn, there's a major league fishing event, event going on? Yeah. They, just, they just don't know. Like, I don't think there's I mean, any advertising you, or marketing. You know market.
2: more about MPFL than you do major league fishing. I feel like I know more about, was it now that it was the FLW Tour. I feel like I know there's an FLW Tour event going like on. Tech
1: Warehouse Pro Circuit. Yeah, yeah, Tech
2: Warehouse Pro Circuit. I feel like I know there's more more about that <laughs> than I do... Um yeah, before I know yeah, about an MLF you. tournament going on right. and it's a shame because right. there are really good anglers in that MLF pro circuit. I just they're they're missing something.
0: Right. All right. They're missing Engine something All right. over. And <laughs> to the, <laughs> the next part, okay, the next part excites the hell out of me. March 17th. Santi freaking Cooper. Yeah. Records I'm gonna going to call you you're going to see a century belt. On in March
2: on Saint, like P. seven,
0: yeah, all top ten gonna will gonna probably be, be
2: above one hundred.
1: That could the be stories awesome. that you hear guys talk about that lake, that time of the year gives me like chills. Like might, I, that is going to be
2: all time
0: awesome. bass record will probably be broken. As long as twenty twenty one shuts the hell up and stops having these crazy weather <laughs> shit every time we have a freaking tournament. <laughs> St. Lawrence is probably the nicest weather event they had. You know, you yeah, know what listen.
2: that says? We need to stop these February through April tournaments and go May through October. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's the most stable time of year, May through October. Let's yeah, you're go. Right. Like, you're right. Like, <laughs> we'll get more north events because the north fishing is incredible from June through October, it, depending on how cold you can deal with. But...
0: I personally don't think noon and your water levels are going to rise 15 feet overnight. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Let's get rid of these Tennessee River tournaments where it historically floods the day before a tournament and nobody can (laughs) practice. Like, oh,
0: (laughs) it's on the river. I'm jealous. Yeah, me too. All right. Santee Cooper, I think that's probably going to be the most watched event. Of the entire year, uh, but also I guess I should say, April seventh to tenth on Chickamauga is also going to be freaking stupid. Mm-hmm. I think these middle three tournaments are going to be absolutely ridiculous in terms of weights. Uh, then Lake Fork nineteenth to the twenty second. When did they go? They went in May this year, didn't they?
2: No, it's June. I'm pretty sure. They oh, went so this will be full bone first week of June. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. You're prob- yeah, you're probably still in spawn because of how north that is. You're probably yeah, they they probably start in May and go through into there. Oh man. Yeah, that I think that's ra- around the, where they went two years ago when Brandon Cobb. That be awesome. awesome. I'm that's looking forward to that. And so you can
2: yeah. So I'm actually really excited about next year's St. Lawrence event. I'm sorry to skip forward. Canada Mm -hmm. will more than likely be open, and you are going to see the true powers of the Johnston brothers next year. And there (laughs) will be a century belt weighed in of smallmouth next July on the Canadian shore.
1: That is an early pick. Write that down.
2: Andy says (laughs) century belt St. Lawrence. Yes, next. All right, Andrew, you have to. If you think about it, last year. (laughs) They launched out of Clayton, and he came super close on the U.S. side being able to fish almost a full eight hours every day. Now he can actually get – they can get to their money holes on the Canadian side.
0: Oh, it's right. out of Clayton.
2: It's out of Clayton. So they're going to have a full eight hours for four full days on the Canadian side where they win literally every single tournament they fish. You will see, so if not one, two century belts on smallmouth that tournament.
0: Yeah, we had I, last year when the elites had their tournament. We had a buddy that is from Canada, and literally said there's thirty to thirty two pounds on the shoreline of Canada. Yes, but the guys just could not go over there. Like <laughs> really at their as they were fishing, he was in Canada, and was just like, "Yeah, there's just giants everywhere." That's the
2: one thing that it's kind of crazy even about my side of the great lakes canada
0: is better way better like that's weird uh, oh i just want the freaking borders to open because i want to go to freaking simcoe so
2: hot take here for your tournament in the fall canada
0: Mm -hmm. might be open it doesn't matter by the way i'm fishing that
1: (laughs) i got uh um confirmed today as a co bailey so
0: sounds yeah. like you and I yeah, have, a uh, have a little sideback going here.
1: <laughs> i mean in. Listen, you're from the north, and I'm not afraid. I'm still going to come beat you. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll say this. On the St. Lawrence River, I think depending on how the pro positions his boat, if he positions his boat correctly, the co-angler has the advantage if they stay in the same.
2: 110%. Because
0: you are the on first the one to the pitch. You're the first one to Even on the, the, the lake. Lake Erie,
2: the co-angler, always has the advantage. Always.
0: If they're drifting, Andrew?
2: Okay. Even if they're spot-locking, because if you go out in the lake and there's two-foot rolling swells, you cannot spot-lock efficiently in that. All it does is slow down your drift so that the co-angler gets a better control of their bait because you're not fumbling around. You can be stationary. You can be still. As for the boater is constantly moving. He has to readjust. Yeah. It's always advantage coangler when it comes to big water smallmouth tournaments. I don't care what anybody
0: says. Yeah, we'll see. Like Duckett made the point of the delta strain, but <laughs> we'll see. Actually, I
2: I just like side tangent here. I just read an article on the delta strain. Yes, it's more contagious, but they're actually starting to find that it's less lethal. So they're starting mm. to believe the ne- the next strains that come out will becomes less lethal as it goes.
0: Total so flu. All right, we're good. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> that
2: cold. Coronavirus <laughs> is a common cold. <laughs> so go. but we'll see. Let's hope it continues in that direction. Oh listen. There's some big yeah.
0: bass at Hawaii. What kind of bass are at Hawaii? Isn't that brown really ones? Predominantly brown? It's all brown. Yeah all there's brown?
1: Th- no no there's there's um so I spent some time there. at a bass nation tournament there. Um and then I just have some friends that go there quite a bit. But I live like only seven and a half hours from there because it's on the kind of the south end of South Dakota. Uh, Sweet Lake, first of all, massive, massive, massive to where, th- and there's not, you're in a very unpopulated part of the world. So there's no marinas or gas. Like there's some situations there to where, you can run to fish that probably really haven't seen lures before and there's no one around. That's what makes it so cool. It's just rolling prairie. Um, they hit it at a weird, weird time to where there wasn't the big ones. And I think um, it's hard to dial in some of those really, really big ones get way out and are suspending and chasing smell and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of like submerged timber on that lake too, where big walleyes and big small mouth hang out. Actually, my friend, I, uh, I met him last year fishing a Nebraska qualifier. Troy Deedy just caught the state record out of there.
2: Um, How big was that? Fishing in Deacon, seven and a half.
1: Yeah, it was seven four or seven six, uh, something like that. Seven and a half pounds, dude. And that was literally three weeks ago, which is the same time they're going to be there. Like post spawn fish that had fed back up giant big one right in the middle of nowhere um i don't know where exactly he caught it but just talking to him on how he catches those giant ones in there what's interesting is there's lake sharp beneath um lake oahe so then it's uh the town of pierce south dakota which is the capital and then you have both of them lake sharp has a lot more fish in it and it's uh probably more consistent with like a 16 pound bag or 18 pound bag of smallmouth but Awahi is known for those big five to seven pound smallmouth. And they didn't really find them the last time the elites were there. And there's just not as many of them. Like your bags on Awahi are very skewed where the guys that find them generally have them really, really good. And then it goes down from there quicker. So it will be interesting to see if someone catches one of those really big ones. And that was a freak fish for there. I mean, there's six pounders in there and that kind of thing. But That was a really big one. So it'll be... Uh, It'll be cool, man. I just like the mix up, right? I mean, I know they, they, uh, have gone there before, but like that is, uh, it's just cool too, to me to, when all those Southern guys drive up through that country, they're like, Whoa, this is so cool. They see like antelope and mule deer and stuff they've never seen before. You get into that kind of Western stuff. So, uh, to me, uh, I don't know. I just like seeing guys get you know super pumped about that because it's like the same way when i go somewhere else it's like wow, i was crazy and i'm not yeah. saying i'm from there but i i spent a decent amount of time in that kind of country right
0: that'd be cool and not like it's always blowing down the pipe down there to up there too I don't like
1: yeah dude they got really lucky and in the, the, the time that i was there fishing a tournament we got so lucky with our tournament days but uh dude it can absolutely blow there and it's and it's big enough to where it, it could uh cause some issues for guys getting to places it's like two hundred and eighty something miles long and,
2: and like. that's the craziest part too as you mentioned there's no marinas around like the, where they launch out of i feel like might be the only marina in that area dude so,
1: sorry go ahead i just thought of it when i was looking at this schedule
2: yeah they can't really go that far because they're limited in gas mileage
1: mm-hmm. yeah and uh Here's what's crazy is la- the last time they were there, I don't believe they went out of Moe Bridge. Uh, and that's not where I went out of, but that is where all the guides are. That is where the bigger smallmouth live farther north. I think last time they went out south, like like out of pier, that kind of area, which yeah, is I, believe they I went know, out of. yeah Yeah. So uh, it's similar to where like it's the opposite uh, out of Clayton on the St. Lawrence, where the bigger fish live on that upper river end. So I could see... Uh, bigger bags being weighed also that they're going out of Mo Bridge, which is cool because all those guys that maybe a few guys that have had the advantage of being there, like you're fishing 80, 90 miles away from where they had went out last time. So it's, uh, it's cool. I've never been on that side of it. I've just heard that that's where the bigger ones live. Is there more
2: marinas up there? Is it more populated? I don't know, man. I would, I would assume no uh, based on (laughs) that.
1: Here's the capital. (laughs) So if you go further North from the, you know, in South South Dakota, man's got very few people. in it, So, so
2: you're, what you're saying is the local gas stations could run out of gas from these guys filling up their rigs <laughs> every day.
1: I, that's exactly right. Born to fish, illegal, man. I uh, I actually tried to finagle my way into doing that at that tournament. You have to, and per bass rules, can only carry gas in a already attached gas tank in your boat.
0: Isn't that interesting? So, like, guys, you know, you talk about that being illegal, but like. I look at that, and I'm like, that's freaking dedication. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. You want an dude. effort required to go into that? But also, like, if you can't go a certain way, then why make it – why not just make it off limits? You know what I'm yeah, saying? That's what you're saying. Like, if you yeah. can't even run up there, why, why make it within limits so that –
1: Well, and also you – know yeah. And dude, I mean, we're like, you guys, like, are especially if there's, you see the guys doing the 90 mile runs, the 130 mile runs, right? And uh, there may be some more marinas up there to where you, someone could do it, but I think they're going to be where the majority of those big fish are, anyways. I don't think you'll see guys making crazy runs. Could be wrong. But uh, one thing to remember, too, is these motors today, man, these four strokes are a lot more efficient. I mean, everything when I was there, too, is all two strokes, right? And um, they just, burn 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 whereas these four strokes are somewhat efficient i mean you saw a guy like i think you can't justify bailey to your point of of taking stuff off limits when jason christie won calculating his fuel specifically what he could run in that express boat all the way doing you know 35 miles an hour until he got to this section and he could do 50 miles an hour whatever it was like that was so cool to me and uh, like I don't know, I love that kind of stuff. Those little niche things that you can find is if if someone can make the run to go somewhere way crazy far away, let them do it. See what happens. I'm curious about I cell service on coverage up there because I don't oh, think man. there's gonna be much of it.
0: That could be interesting, dude. Just I'm just picturing like I know some people are against it, but imagine like the TV that you could get off people stashing gas cans and like them <laughs> trying to get off to <laughs> like, get their, stash cans, their, their gas cans. That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. But, all right,
2: I'm looking at a map right now, trying to see if I can find a marina anywhere in the area of <laughs> Mowbridge, and um, I'll just say this right now: the only marina there is is in Mowbridge, and it's not go. even like a marina. There, it looks like there's a launch ramp, and that's about it.
1: That's awesome. Uh-oh.
2: That would be interesting. Very, very
1: similar uh, community to what you guys have up there from the standpoint of walleye fishermen. I mean, every boat you see out there is a big walleye boat. And um, actually, it was really cool. We got to stay at this guide's house up there. He's super nice. He had three walleye rigs that were all the same thing. It's a pretty big-time guide service. And it was like, yeah, dude, it doesn't matter the conditions. We're going. Like, (laughs) they're crazy. Right.
0: All right, here's a question for you. So, obviously, ending with Mississippi River, badass. That's going to be a fun one. Probably just a straight frog fest. Maybe some guys, you know, going for smallies. But June 2nd to 5th, mm-hmm. ending at Texas, picking up a month, over a month later in New York. Oh. Where do you guys think they're going to go?
1: Later. Is, is Lake Fork not the Texas fest?
2: It will be. I'm sure it will be. be. You think so? What do you think yeah. sometimes they'll be the in a Rayburn or. Um, you no, know, Lake Fork is always Texas Fest because they do the special catch and weigh and release, unless they put the slot limit in, which completely mess up Fork.
1: No, they still, oh, they still okay. don't have to do that on thing. Fork. Like, uh, but on here's my thing. You're only. It's got to be. I don't think they're going to make a move north. That would be sweet. That would be really cool. I Put your dick duck it, yeah, dude. That'd be crazy. But I, in my opinion, I mean, at least you're kind of on the north end, central end of Texas. But you're you're talking a week difference, right? Because then you're looking at the twenty eighth, twenty yeah, or twenty ninth is after a week. You're looking at two weeks' spread, so it's got to be somewhere. I think somewhat close. I don't think they would make the swing. North in June could be wrong, but I think it's going to be something. They can't.
0: Uh, so, I mean, technically, certain states you can't even go. There you north go. North in June. It, it's
2: probably going to be an Alabama tournament, and here's why.
1: They don't have one on there. There is not a Logan? single
2: Alabama tournament on the Bassmaster Elite schedule, Logan. which is crazy based on last year. It I could mean, be because of COVID, but like, I'm sure it's going to be somewhere that I have a feeling it's going to be somewhere they haven't been. It'll oh, Jordan snow. River.
0: Beyond does Hartwell have spotted bass? Yeah. Okay. I was otherwise. What was about like saying, an no Alabama River
2: tournament, the Jordan River, Jordan Dam? They haven't been to the Alabama the Coosa River in a long time. Yeah, in elites Um
0: When does St. Clair open?
2: That that's a tricky one because of the Canadian border. So St. Clair the Ontario side of St. Clair opens the same weekend that it does for Lake Erie, which is the fourth Saturday of June. So if they go to St. Clair before that date, they would be limited to
0: U.S. water only. Somebody take a picture of this. Ducky says if it's gonna will become MLS I got him. Somebody take a picture. I got him. Uh, <laughs> We now uh, have blackmail so against TikTok.
1: That is hilarious. <laughs> Dude, uh,
0: you I know. Ronnie Moore right now, please make <laughs> sure this is like Gunnersville. <laughs>
1: right. Dude, I, I'm honestly, I really, I again, I'm not the biggest fan of the repetition. I understand it's how the industry works. They have to keep going back to those places. Awesome Kingdom. I okay. feel like this, that'd be sweet. I feel like this Elite Series schedule Here's to home. me goes like this. <laughs> Because I like how they're going to the Mississippi River and Lake Oahee. I don't think they've been in the Mississippi River in a really long time and Lake Oahee's different. Uh, I am it is interesting to me that they're not going to another New York largemouth fishery like Champlain or one of it's your finger real. lakes. what
0: gone. if what if they say screw the June date, the T B A like to be assigned and go August fourth to seventh to Cayuga? Oh, like that'd be so to do two grimy. years ago. he's so grimy. Grimy. <laughs> then so people would get rid of this thing like the north is easy. Because it is easy for a while, but in August it's freaking sucks.
2: You know what? I want them to go to a lake where everyone's like, oh, why did they go there? Like maybe like a West Point. Like
1: the Red River. Or yeah,
2: like-, like Red River, Arkansas River, West Point. They haven't been to West Point in years. Orange, Texas.
0: Probably for no a reason.
2: And <laughs> they just catch a ton of 14-pound bags. So, like, uh, Table Rock would be cool because they haven't been there in forever. I could see um, Grand. Yeah, they, I can't believe they don't have anything in
1: that middle part of the country. It seems like that's more of now an Opens and Toyota Series thing. Is like, cool. What about stuff. those
2: lakes in um, Arkansas? I can't think of their names right now. um Wachita? No, the Wachita Wachita
1: that's... Washtaw River. You've got... Um,
0: Watched I don't know which small. one you're talking
1: about. The one that the tour went to, I'll Beaver Lake Beaver.
0: Yeah. We, we just got jinxed. Now they're all going to have tornadoes and hurricanes, and they're all <laughs> going to be grinders. No <laughs> grinders. Interesting. I. It's like they're Here, saying Pickwick was going to be insane, and then they, the water level rises. 12%. They could. Right. They
2: could slide Pickwick back in on that June second to fifth. Usually in June, more stable weather in the south because your tornado threat is usually April through May. And I think that's why they pulled out of Alabama in April is because literally every one of those tournaments was (laughs) affected by the craziest weather. Like it's kind of like how Oklahoma used to be in May. You can't go to Oklahoma in May because you're going to get an EF4 tornado tornado somewhere. (laughs) So like, like, you just can't. So and Alabama has become like the new tornado alley, it seems like. So I think they're trying to be more angler safety conscious in that retrospect. But I you I very well believe it, June will be an Alabama event somewhere. I think what that's is, a good prediction.
0: What's the lake that's like almost on the it's on the Kentucky, Tennessee border, southeast, smallmouth and largemouth. Didn't you go there?
2: Cumberland. What
0: if they go back to Cumberland? Cumberland it was more that, of an FLW lake, but still.
2: Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I don't Why? know I don't know enough about Cumberland. We need John King in here. He would be able to give us inside scoop okay. on Cumberland. That'd be really cool. Um I I'm curious when or
1: if or why the elites have not made it back to Falcon or Amistad. That would be so cool to me. Those South Texas lakes. I,
2: I think no. a lot of it has to do with the Mexican-U.S. border and safety issues.
1: Yeah, but then you hear like Kurt Dove talk about it, and he's like, dude – you don't have to worry about it. Like, yes. Like, first of all, if you see a boat that looks sketchy, don't go near it. Like, yeah. you know, like
0: we are um, the pirates. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I picture like just picture John just having freaking rum and cokes with her, like <laughs> pina coladas with the freaking Mexican cartel down there. they they're telling them where to go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I hear of crazy stories and stuff, but like, I don't know, man, maybe, and, or maybe like Travis, like, I don't know some of that stuff to me. I will, I will, I'm done talking about the major fishing bass debate, but it is, it has been cool to me that MLF has gone to some interesting lakes, uh, yeah. but you, you haven't generally seen Travis. That's a really cool one to me. Those kinds of fisheries.
0: What if they go to Jordan in North Carolina?
1: Is it too small for 90 boats or hundred boats?
0: Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Sure. I think
1: it's pretty I, small. 14,000 acres or something.
2: It's itty bitty. You'd be playing bumper boats. It's like yeah. fishing honey oil with 40 boats, it just doesn't go well. Man. Sheesh. Yeah,
1: we'll uh, get rid of I'm that. Excited, guy.
0: Though. That was, was bad.
1: bad. I think it'll be
0: a good Oof. year. Wow. All right. Well, any other comments on 2022 schedule? Those <laughs> that comment kind of just threw me
2: for a curveball there. I missed it. I didn't see it. Well, oh, yeah. Don't, you don't want to see it. It was bad. Yeah. We're like, not going to repeat that. That was. I think
0: it was just spam, but we're just going <laughs> to. Yeah. Really, really, good really catch, dead, but, good catch, Bailey. Good catch. Uh, Have a suit would be cool. Have a suit would be cool. But <laughs> so I think it would be interesting to see what they do with it. But I think. I'll be back again. He, what the? <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Good gosh! Well, folks, what to a name, though—Chief like Poo Water. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Are you, what's going on? Oh my How God! Again, he's got like, <laughs> folks. We are really sorry for whoever.
1: <laughs> this is big Basspack, Are you asking about uh,
0: what lake is Havasu, or what are you? No, Duckett, You do not want to see the comments. They were just bad and racist and lovely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, teams. not good. So I will do my best to keep blocking those, but I got I my
2: there waiting for him. So yeah, well,
0: that's just weird. That kind of really annoys me. I don't know what the heck's up with that. I, it's probably like your typical social media bot crap, but whatever. All right, moving on from 2022 uh, Bassmaster Elite schedule. Uh, obviously, they'll recap with the Mississippi River. Uh, which you could see even like maybe a Kufal or a Pat Schlapper do really well on because when they are local, you can see a fighter. Fighter even have his first blue trophy there, potentially, which could be really interesting. Um, I don't know. I think that could be a, a really interesting one to end on. But any other um, comments, concerns, tangents concerning the 2022 schedule?
1: Does the Mississippi River, does anyone know if it gets bad as you get late, almost into September? Is it I still pretty st- strong because it's a river? Or I think it gets farther?
0: better.
1: Really? You think it gets better into September? Don't.
2: Oh, boy. Oh, we got I didn't one. mean to do that. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <Just God. crying. laughs> <Like, laughs> what is going on? Oh, my God. Uh, it won't <laughs> let me block
0: him. Nope. I'm putting it in timeout. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why did you... Oh, no. Not block for uh, five minutes. Block forever. Oh, God. <laughs> folks are sorry. Okay. All right. You kind of threw me for a loop, and now like, I can't even think straight. <laughs> like, every 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I think right. uh, Dick
2: Ducket has some haters here, because that was directed yeah. right at him. That was rough. They
0: brought the party with him, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh <laughs> right, Jesus Christ! All right, wrapping up that let's move on to uh, I think iCast would be something kind of cool to touch on really fast. Not that we have to go through a lot because obviously everyone's been bombarded on their social medias. There's been 300,000 yes. videos on it on YouTube that I'm sure everyone's seen. But I'm curious, you guys, uh, I as I mentioned, I had pretty much head down was working the entire week. I'm interested to see your guys' takeaways, cool baits or products that you guys saw. Uh, Whether they won or they didn't win, um, we all know how ICAST voting can be. Uh, Your guys' takeaways from ICAST this year. Go ahead, Andy. The first cool one I saw was
2: the swimbait head with the blade on top with the titanium arm. I think that was pretty cool. Something a little different compared to like an underspin. Now you get like a spinnerbait type feel, finessey spinnerbait deal with like a blue tail. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, all the new Berkeley products, of course, Sugar Cross, scent. I can't wait to get my hands on those when they come out because I just love Max Um, I did not bring home
0: like ten packs of this. Way to go! Really, way to go!
2: <laughs> and oh, my big sidebar, and I can't wait to get my hands on it is the new Corrado 150 MGL. I I don't. I'm not a big fan of the 200 size. I love the 70s. So I want to get my hands on some of the 150 size. I've, I've been debating buying a Cronarch because it's the 150 MGO just to see how it fits in my hand. So if anybody has used the 150 size Shimano, let me know how you like it before I do it. But that is that was the big exciting part for me. I saw that, and I was like, I need like eight of them tomorrow. And the price point is great, $199.99 for an MGL spool besides the SLX. That's great. Yeah, and no, then the I, gilly, of course, that's yeah. sweet. So, what do you think, Deacon?
1: Yeah, no, man. And uh, I really wasn't super plugged into it. I don't know why. I cast to me is always something that's like kind of cool, but I'm also kind of like, all right, we see some things like wind that are innovative, but probably won't catch any fish, and vice versa. Then you see some baits that don't really get talked about that you're like, whoa, that's really really cool. Um, to me, uh, I thought it was cool to see Seagar come out with a bottom of the line and then like a high end fluorocarbon. I thought that was really cool. Um, I think that there's more need for kind of that low end uh, line just into the market, as well as the guys who want that super, super fancy stuff. Uh, I thought that Gilly was really cool. I'm interested to see how it works. It looks really, really cool to me. Um, the, I saw like a, uh, I don't know if you guys saw someone sent me this the other day. It was like one of the, it's controlled by a prop, but it's supposed to like imi- imitate live bait. But it was like a fish that was swimming, and and uh, it had a prop on it. And they had one on a tank in a bobber on a with a bobber, and it was straight up like, and it looked. I mean, it was it was mm. kind of interesting. It was like you know one of those innovative things that probably won't catch fish, but I thought that was kind of cool. minnow. Um, yeah literally um <laughs> jackal always has some unique cool things to me i like to see some of the the japanese stuff always i can't think of anything specifically that i was like whoa that's really really crazy um but i don't know I, I didn't plug in too much to be honest with you bailey and then i just saw everyone's uh, social media posts about it and then it was kind of like all right here we go
2: real quick lucker mm-hmm. hunt
0: frog lizard
1: i didn't what? see that i'm to <laughs> look it up
0: It'll be another bait that just turns into one YouTube influencer's hero video that gets them a million views, and it never touches a single tournament water ever. (laughs) Really, we should get some the Skinner lizard. (laughs) We should get some. Great bait for the uh, the lake by my house, Andrew. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) Dumbest fish I've ever met. Skitter lizard. Yeah, up. Exactly. It'll be the clearance bin at Dick's Sporting. One place. or two weeks after it gets in the right. stores. No, it's going Big straight to, to clearance. Track. It doesn't even get put on the rack. It just gets going straight to clearance bin. Tackle Was warehouse $9. $9. right $9. on clearance. What's
2: 997? Now 299. Buy two, get four free.
0: Buy one, get them all. <laughs> <laughs> Buy one. Take it off our hands, please. Yes.
2: it's fantastic. All right, Bailey. You were there, so I know you're a little busy, but what did you think?
0: I think, okay, so like we mentioned earlier, those glasses, that topographic glasses were pretty sick. I didn't actually get a chance to see them. I wasn't able to walk into the new product showcase, but I thought that was pretty cool. Um, me being selfish and a northerner, uh, the new Maxent um, flatworm sizes are pretty dope, and the new colors. Uh, beyond that, the new Maxon Editions being me, I'm going to be right out and blunt. I'm biased towards Berkeley, um, But in the same retrospect, Shimano had a freaking sick jerkbait that had oh, mirrors. That cool. It had mirrors. So, like, as you move it, they shimmy. So, like, say you have a, a floating jerkbait, twitch, twitch, pause, and it's pausing. The mirrors in it are just shimmying and reflecting. So, Whoa. I think that, that was actually pretty sick. And they, they were marketing it like a saltwater jerkbait from the looks of it. But that would, I think, would be killer for uh, for, for smallmouth, largemouth, whatever. They
2: work for smallies. There's um, this young chick across the border that fished with my buddy Paul Castellano. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of her name. Eva, Eva Marie, something like that, on YouTube. I might be able to find her yeah. page. But um, she was catching them on that Shimano jerkbait a couple weeks ago on Erie. So. Nice. And my buddy Paul was like, she's an absolute hammer. So, look, like, and I trust everything that guy says. He's never stirred me wrong.
0: Heck yeah, Douglas has been fishing. Oh, good to know. I didn't even know that. I'm gonna have to give old Douglas a text here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Rail Blaza has an adjustable support arm for trolling motors to avoid that cringing vibration during travel. Interesting. Hmm. I to a look at that. I don't even know what that is. Um, I'm trying to think. What else was showcased at ICAST? That I saw. Beyond everyone's new rod reel was Queen there. Jeff was not there. No,
2: unfortunately, because I know on Jeff um,
0: was traveling up to Oneida. Tackle
2: Warehouse. They released the Queen vibrating jigs on Tackle Warehouse. Mm-hmm.
1: Hold up! What happens
2: if Jeff makes
1: the Elite Series? They uh, travel together.
0: <laughs> That'd be so crazy. I'm just saying that'd be really it's, cool. It would be the second father-son, right? Because, so oh, no, the oh, yeah, 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 is, yeah,
1: What is cool is that'd probably be the first ever to flip-flop, where the son makes it, then the dad makes it.
0: That would be cool. That would be cool. That would be interesting. I think we'd have a harder time getting our queen tackle stuff, Andrew, because they'd be so busy. <laughs> <laughs> to definitely Jeff, to hire someone. Yeah, he works like... Yeah, it's insane. They put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that business. Um, but yeah, here's another good one from Berkeley, obviously, but Maxent Tubes. That's oh, a, what, how more how, how soft deal. are those? They're Maxent, so so they're, they're not, not going to be flipping tubes. I was they're, just curious
2: because, like, Bass Pro Tender Tubes, I don't know if you remember them, how easy they tear after, like, two or three fish, but they were incredible. So I was wondering what the consistency of that Maxent tube. Is it close to a tender tube? Is it softer? Is it a little more durable? Because, I mean, I've had flatworms last 15 fish, and I've had them last one fish.
0: So. Right. Hmm. That's a great point. I guess we'll find out. I've obviously got to put my hands on them, but I didn't get a chance to, like, actually use them. So I guess we'll find out. Obviously, if you're on Erie dragging over boulders, I mean, they're going to wear out eventually. Oh, absolutely. Pardon no me. Towns. I'm exhausted. Yeah, I don't blame you. We're almost going on two hours, guys, and I completely lost track of time here.
2: Thank but, you for everybody staying tuned, too. Yeah,
0: honestly, it's impressed The people who have been commenting from the first
1: 10 minutes yeah. to now, like, that is awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You two guys rock.
0: They're the reason why we run these Monday Night Lives, but... Any other things that we should cover? Obviously, uh, Andrew and I have a team tournament coming up this weekend, which we'll be filming. Guys, we literally have, like, let's see. I have my file here because I literally was editing before the show. I'm probably going to edit a bunch tonight. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have nine videos to put out still. We just literally have been working so much, we haven't had time to actually physically sit down and edit. Because the whole editing part, to put together a, at least a semi- nice and formatted video it takes it takes a little while it takes a couple hours and a couple hours with andrew and i scheduled right now it's just time we haven't been able to put in so i just tried a little
2: niche videos like left-handed versus right-handed reels so like
0: andrew's that that video like he just filmed should come out this week um hopefully we're gonna get some fishing videos out for you guys we're gonna film this weekend it's a two-day tournament but each day is their own tournament correct andrew cumulative Okay, so it's cumulative. Uh-oh. So we have a two day derb going on this weekend. Um, and then Thursday, Friday, I have Fastmaster open on Oneida. I will not be filming that one, but obviously we'll give you guys an update on Monday how that goes. But either way, a lot of stuff That's going on. Deacon, what Again. are you up to this weekend?
1: Let's see, man. Um, Sunday, I'm hanging with the family on a pontoon boat, so that'll be fun. Um, Saturday and the rest of this week, I'm probably going to try and get out because we're sitting in our team, little team series around here that does qualify for the Bass Series. We're sitting first in the points. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so we got to defend that. So I'm doing some pre-fishing on, on one of our, our uh, smallmouth lakes here. We've got a tournament, not until the end of August, but uh, trying to go find some offshore fish. So
0: that's yeah. about it for me. I guess we'll wrap us up with this last question here from Mr. Duckett asking any word on Oneida. Right. Um, I'm, hear, I'm hearing is it's been uh, last, this past weekend it took 19 and a half or 20 pounds to win a local trail. So it's fishing good. But here's the thing about Oneida, a lot of boats, those fish are very, very, very pressure sensitive. Uh, meaning that it might only take 15 to eight. No, not should say that 15 to 16 pounds a day. To, to cash. But then again, I haven't seen a time where there's been 200 freaking votes on Oneida. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But it either way, bouncing back, it.
2: it's bouncing back, but I don't think it's pre 2018 level shit where it was like really yeah. good. Where it's still fat, like,
0: though. what was so that? So the small mouth, are already fat. So means they're eating good. Yep. But either way, we'll give you guys an update next Monday night live. Um, hopefully we're, we're trying to do either next Monday or for next Friday's episode, we'll be having Daryl Gleason on Daryl. It's going to come on. We're going to get to know him and then dive into his rookie year. Uh, I say rookie year, but I feel like he's been around the industry for a while, but, uh, other yeah, than that, up in the lead, so. yeah. Yeah. But other than that, uh, boys, you guys got anything left before I sign off here? Yeah, no.
2: man. Everybody no. catch them and always continue to tag us in your posts. And as we see them, we try to share them. So
0: yeah. head over to our Instagram page. we got that giveaway going on for serious Angler hat, a guide trip with Andrew, and a $50 gift card to any t- online tackle retailer of your choice. Uh, and who wouldn't want to come up to Buffalo, have some beer and wings, Andy and I, and go catch some big old Lake Erie Smollies. So as always, guys, we appreciate y'all. Uh, We'll be talking to you guys soon. We'll see you guys on Friday's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in.